How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensi. Tim, how's it going, sir? Going good. Been busy, but uh, what can you do? Yeah? What have you guys been up to? Just some yard work, stuff around the house? Literally, sir. Uh, so, yesterday, I played in uh, like a Weiss Schwartz tournament that was based on a legacy format, and uh, we're playing against people from around the world, Australia, Australia, Europe, that sort of stuff. Uh, I came fourth, which I think is pretty good. Well, congratulations, man. Yeah, and then today I uh, mowed the lawn and then uh, got rid of some thistles that started growing in a random planter because uh, I guess what happened is our our neighbors on both sides don't really take good care of the weeds and they got a thistle coming in mm-hmm. and then it spread to our house. So we took the fucker out. I mean, all I know about thistles is that my family's Scottish, and that's our national plant. Your national plant is a weed. What, free? Sorry. If anybody knows who Danny Boy is, a comedian, you'll get that reference there. (laughs) So, Tim, I'm very, very excited to get together to do today's episode, because today's episode, we are going to be looking at the 2021 NHL Free Agency. Now... Over the last couple of years, we've been doing our free agency episodes, and we've always been doing a fun prices Right style game, talking about the top five free agents on the market, and this year is going to be no different. And honestly, we've got some big names on the board. Obviously, Dougie Hamilton's on the board, Gabriel Landeskog, <coughs> excuse me, and of course, we've got Tyson Berry. So we, we do have some pretty solid names in here. It's not like of other years where you have, say, a John Tavares or some of the other bigger free agents that have hit the market over the last couple of years. So how we're going to be doing this for those who don't know about the prices, right? Obviously when you watch the prices, right? There is a product up on the stage. The contestants have to guess without going over what the price would be. This is not going to be any different. Basically what we're going to be doing is we're going to have the actual contract and the actual contract that was signed with the overall total amount of money in the contract, and we have to guess what it is without going over. And if we go over, we don't get a point. So basically, anybody has to get over with, get closer enough to it without going over. Pretty self-explanatory. Yep. Uh, sorry, did I take a drink of water there? Actually, just out of curiosity, Tim, and now you obviously grew up watching The Price is Right, correct? Uh, a bit. Yeah, that was obviously, that was very much if you were sick at home for the day, or it was during the summertime. That's that's all I remember about watching The Price is Right, and hard to believe, like, Bob Barker's still alive, too, so. Yeah, is he almost 100? He is. He is, he's still, he's almost 100, man. Like, that's hard to believe, right? So, but then again, so is Betty White. Yeah, I'm a little surprised he didn't, I'm surprised he retired, to be honest. True. Because he still does public appearances, eh? Does he? Yeah. Yeah, he's 98. I know. It's crazy, man. Like, the guy's 98. He's still going, so... Good for him. So, Tim, let's get in talking about the 2021 NHL Free Agency. We're going to start off with the top name on the board, Dougie Hamilton. So, Tim, can you give your prediction of what the contract was going to be? My call was $8 million for seven years at $42 million. Excellent. My prediction was $76 million over eight years to the New Jersey Devils. And the actual retail price was $63 million, which means, Tim, you got a point. So you're at one nothing. Well, what's funny is it's just... If I just up the dollar amount, I would have been a bit closer because I got the years dead on, right? Because he left Carolina, so the most he can sign for is seven. I thought it was eight. No, I think eight is reserved for if you sign with your team. Otherwise, seven. Oh, okay. Okay, I did not know that. And let's talk about the signing in general because you know what? I think for my my math is really off. I'm sorry. Eight times seven is fifty-six million dollars. Hey, you still came closer than I did. I won over. Yep. 
So, Tim, let's talk a little bit about the signing in general because, you know, the New Jersey Devils were a team that I actually could see going after Dougie Hamilton because they were one of the few teams that, A, lacked an elite right-handed defenseman, but also had the cap space to make it work. And for myself, like, New Jersey, this is a major upgrade from P.K. Subban, who is in his final year of his contract. Like a lot of signings, though, and obviously signing him to long-term would be a risk if Hamilton's game falls off, but... Personally, he's worth the risk of what the Devils want him to do. And, you know, they got him at a pretty decent rate, to be honest. Because, honestly, uh, he didn't look go at over. the rest of the market, Tay. You have Seth freaking Jones making $9 million. They got Dougie Hamilton, probably one of, if not the best offensive defenseman in the league, at eight. And compared to other players, he plays like, like Giordano and Brent Burns. Those guys aged really well, and I think Dougie Hamilton will probably age well as well. I I see the risk, but I think it's reasonably mitigated just by the type of game that Dougie Hamilton plays. I think he's going to be a guy who's going to be in the league until he's like probably late 30s, maybe even 40. Yeah, and quick correction on that, Tim, he's actually getting paid $9 million. so another yeah. 500000 bucks he would have got paid most of Jones. And that was the thing about New Jersey, and I was talking to my cousin, and I've mentioned him on the podcast, he's a Devils fan, is that I'm really surprised the Devils didn't have to pay him upwards of $10 million to get him to come to New Jersey. Because, you know, when teams like that who haven't made the playoffs in a few years, you're not exactly sure what direction they're going. To get a big-name free agent like Dougie Hamilton to come to town, you have to overpay to get him. And honestly, this is kind of what the market was projecting for Dougie Hamilton. This is what the market bared for him was eight and a half to nine million bucks a season. And they got him. So good on New Jersey, man. Like this is a huge signing. Obviously PK Subban's coming off the books after next season. Whether or not Subban's gonna have a career afterwards, I don't know. But good on Dougie Hamilton to get that contract in New Jersey. Well I think the big thing with uh New Jersey is you can see that this is a team that's trying to be on the up and up. Mm-hmm. And you've got a lot of young forwards like Nico Hersher, Jack Hughes, Miles Woods, Brett Jasper. Why am I blanking on Jack Hughes? Jack Hughes. And uh, the defense is starting to look like it's getting better. Uh, they signed, they traded and signed Ryan Greaves. And now with Dougie Hamilton, it looks like it's definitely moving in the right direction. Christian Yaros landed there somehow, landed there as well. So they've got an Ottawa cast off. So uh, that's how we know the team's going in the right direction. Yeah. And the goal situation looks a little more safe, stable now that they've signed Jonathan Bernier. Yep. And we also can't forget, I mean, they still got Mackenzie Blackwood who yeah. really, I mean, the guy's been on an Island by himself in New Jersey. And we also can't forget it was because of Ottawa. That's how New Jersey got him in the first place. Yeah. And like, that's one of the things I actually do appreciate about New Jersey is this is a team that's really close to being, good and fun to watch so i'm here for it and uh like this is really nice because like mackenzie blackwood has a a a competent qualified backup for once Mm -hmm. uh the front like the front line defense is going to be passable at least this year because you do have Ducky hamilton now and it looks like you have a young offense there too yeah, and I, I think for myself, and I, I, I still maintain this is a great signing for the Devils, but also because New Jersey is still in a pretty competitive division. And the fact yeah. is, like, you know, you've got the Rangers who are on the up and ups, the Islanders who really looked good last season, you got Washington, Pittsburgh's still there, so you got a bunch of teams in that division that can still play. And is New Jersey going to be a playoff team next year? I don't think so, but I don't see why they can't try and compete for one. You know. No, and you might as well. Well, you have to, right? Exactly. Well, especially when you land a guy like Hamilton, right? Yeah. So, Tim, you are currently leading one to nothing in the Price is Right free agency game. So, we're going to go on and talk about the second big name on the market, Gabriel Landeskog. Now, this is my prediction for the contract. I had him at $49 million over seven years to the New York Islanders Tim, what did you have for the contract? By the time that I got around to making my predictions, he re-signed. You know what? When I wrote this down, same thing. As soon as I wrote it and I, I typed it in, 
he already resigned. But I'm still interested to see what was your prediction on the contract. I said I looked at Twitter before I started doing this, mm-hmm. and he was signed. Hmm. Okay. So, no contest. Okay, so I guess we're tied then, eh? We're tied. Okay, so 1-1 one, one tie because Gabriel Landeskog signed a $56 million contract over eight years with the Colorado Avalanche. And I think for me, one of the reasons why I didn't exactly see him sticking around, and I know there was a lot of rumors heating up that Landeskog was going to St. Louis, but the Blues acquiring and then signing Pavel Buchnevich really put them out of the running for him. And I honestly thought the New York Islanders were going to be a team to get him because with the departure of Jordan Eberle to the Seattle crack, and they were going to need a quality top-line left winger to replace him. And if they did that, they could put Anders Lee on the second line. And the New York Islanders actually had quite a bit of cap space to make this work because they had $17.6 million heading into next season that they could have worked. And they could have made it work long-term. But clearly, Joe Sackick felt differently, re-signed his captain, and he's sticking around for seven, no, sorry, eight more years. It's nice that they keep the captain in town. I wonder if seven million's a bit rich, because we have seen, like, Gabriel Landeskog's performance has kind of declined over the last two years uh, after his peak, his peak years in 2016, like his 2018-2019 uh, season, where he was a very dominant player played hard minutes and scored a lot. It's definitely come off quite a bit in the last few years. Hopefully that's just a COVID dip. And uh, once it gets back to more regular seasons, uh, Landis Cog goes back to being right as rain. The other hard thing is we've seen a consistent drop off in the underlying numbers Mm -hmm. and his defensive game get a lot worse over the last two years, especially in front of the net. So I wonder if, uh, and the other thing is, like, his shot's kind of falling off a bit, too. So, uh, hopefully, it's just the weird season's got to him, and he bounces back. Or this is going to look like a bad contract. It's, it is it is true, and you know what? Obviously, it's not going to be, like, the first bad contract in the NHL. I mean, and even look at the New York Islanders. When you see, you know, like, an Anders Lee or a Brock Nelson getting paid the amount of money they are, and you're like, okay, we understand what they bring, but they don't exactly bring that offensive upside, right? So, I don't know. Maybe this is what Landeskog's market value really that bears, right? Is what $7 million, that's what the market bears from. Obviously, maybe in a couple of years, if his game completely falls off, you can then you could look at it and be like, what were you guys thinking? But at the time, it is what it is, right? The interesting thing is, like, the Washington, a- sorry, Washington Avalanche, the Colorado Avalanche, if they make no more moves this year, Sorry, this offseason, they are set, and they will have $4 million of cap space to work with. So this is still a very good roster, and they have they have room to upgrade at the deadline. So I'm not worried about this team. And, like, the, de- the defensive core still looks pretty good with uh, Kale McCard. Eric Johnson is passable. Samuel Gerard, Devin Tays, and Bone Bryan. You have a pretty good defense core. And everything's locked up at least for this year. The pickup of Darcy Kemper, I think, was a good move to replace Philip Grubauer. I agree. I, I do want to ask on your end, though, do, like, do you feel like that was a bit of an overpayment to give him a first and a prospect for him? I think so, especially because of, like, what Seattle traded uh, VTech back to... Uh, Washington. Washington for was just a second. Uh, you know what, though? I gotta say, no matter what the return for him was, it was totally worth it just to see that Twitter post about it. Oh, that was good with uh, Grandpa Sipson doing the lap. Yes. And I just said that is amazing. Like, I love that so much. Because the other hard thing is uh, you're, cu- you, you're seeing uh, Darcy Kemper's save percentage drop, but I think part of that is... Because in 2020, 2021, the Coyotes were dog shit. Yeah, and you're clearly seeing that right now in the offseason where they're unloading everybody and just loading up from picks for this 2022 draft. Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if he bounces back. I still think a first and a prospect is an overpay on the trade. 
Yeah. Even but if even if that first. Time, can I take a second here? Okay. What the fuck is Seattle doing? Nothing. Like here's the thing: they'll probably make the playoffs by dint that their division is bad. Three teams have to make it from that division. But like, if they were in any other division, I don't think they make it because they're not doing a lot. But then again, remember when everyone was saying that Vegas wasn't going anywhere, and then they made it to the Cup final? Yep. Like, we could just be shown wrong again, but this time I don't think it's really there because they didn't get a lot of players with offensive upside. While on in the Vegas, the Vegas situation, they definitely did, especially with. Uh, getting a whole first line in Riley Smith, uh, Jonathan Mashershaw, and William Carlson. Yeah, but I think that was the Florida Panthers just being stupid and being like, yeah, you can take this guy, and we'll give you this guy as well. Oh, exactly. And uh, it's kind of incredible that all the other GMs did not deal with uh, Seattle this time and forced their prices down. Yeah, and actually, just going back to my point here, and I think about the first worth Colorado, is that realistically, I mean, that pick's going to be in the 20s. Oh, yeah. so, so if it's like a mid to late pick, okay, I can kind of believe that. I don't see Colorado being a non-playoff team next year. I think that, unless the team gets completely wiped out due to COVID, I really don't see them not making the playoffs. So I do think it's a little bit of an overpayment for Darcy Kemper, but you know what? When you lose your starting goaltender you got to pay up, right? Exactly. So I don't mind it. I think it is a bit of an overpay. Not much, but a bit of one. Exactly. Now, speaking of Colorado's former starting goaltender, we've got to talk about the third name on the board, Philip Grubauer. Now, I went first with my prediction, Tim, and I'd like to hear your prediction for the contract. Philip Grubauer, I went very chintzy here because I thought that we're going to be in flat COVID like people have been complaining teams don't have a lot of space people don't like to spend monies on Willie on the first place three and a half million dollars for three years for 10.5 total my prediction was 20 million dollars over four years to the Colorado Avalanche and Tim I have currently taken the lead because the Philip Grubar signed a $35.4 million contract over six years with an AAV of 5.92. The expansion, Seattle Kraken. This one really came as a surprise because I legit did not see Colorado letting them seriously walk in for agency, especially with the other options in the free agent market, like a Tuka Rask, Jamie, James Reimer, Jonathan Brady, some of these big players, right? And I look, I... I talked about this in our playoff episode. Like he's a really, su- he's a really solid starting goaltender. He isn't a superstar by any means, and for me, I was just kind of surprised that he he split because Colorado is such a solid team that I thought he would be crazy leap unless the money was too good to pass up. And clearly, five point nine per to Seattle. Guess it was true. The money was too good to pass up. And Phil Grubauer is a very good goaltender. Like. Uh... Or look, he definitely saves more goals than expected, unless he can get a backhand out of him. That seems to be the, his weakness, is he just doesn't deal with backhands. Yeah, so it's like, I think this is a good signing because he's been a consistently, a consistently above-average goaltender, especially when he was given a bigger workload in Colorado. And we're talking about a 505 save percentage, usually north of 92%. I think this is a good pickup. I don't even think this is a rich contract. Five million for a very a good starting goaltender is uh, right on the money. It's true, and you know what? And you look at his backups right now, where they picked up Joey Decord, and you know I'm sure a miscellaneous backup at this point in color in Seattle. So I don't have too many things to say about this signing. It's pretty Do you think good. Ottawa will try and get Decord back. They might be able to get him for a seventh. Maybe, maybe it'll, it'll depend, right? It'll really depend on two things. It'll depend on what Ron Francis would want for him, but also it'll depend on legit. Where would he play next season? Because, you know, obviously Murray's going to be in the NHL. Goose will be in the NHL. So that really leaves 
Sogard. I guess if you bring him back, he could be a backup in Belleville, but or a starter in Belleville. But like I said, Ottawa's got such a deep, deep goalie prospects right now that I just I don't really know where I would see him fit in that roster. Yeah, that's true. The only the only thing I could see happening is if uh, last year wasn't a fluke and Matt Murray is off to Robita Island. It's true. And, you know, it'll be sad, right? Because I thought he, for sure he was going to be a guy that could rejuvenate his career. He's coming into a market where the fans don't want him traded after a bad goal. So, yeah, we'll have to see, right? Yep. So we're going to have into our fourth name on the board. And the fourth player is Philip Dandano. So uh, Philip Dandano. There's no second D. Thank you. Just re-record it. No, Philip. Philip Dandano. That's fine. It's not his day. All right, you say it then. Go. Philip Dandano. Philip Dandano? All right. So, my prediction for the contract, $15 million over four years with an AAV of 3.75. I Two. can't believe I'm going to... Oh, crap. I can't believe I'm going to get to do this. To the Ottawa Senators... Tim, what was your prediction on the contract? I get to one. I get to one dollar. You take four million dollars for four years for sixteen million dollars. You know, Tim. You know those contestants on The Price Is Right when that happens and they go, they just give them that look like you're an asshole. I love you, but you're an asshole. I can't believe I didn't even intend to do that. Well, we are now tied at two because Philip Deneau signed a $33 million contract over six years with an AAV of 5.5 to the Los Angeles Kings. Okay, here was my reasoning for why I picked Ottawa. To me, I thought he would have been a perfect 3C for Ottawa. A speedy winger who can kill penalties and put up points when needed. And not only that, Ottawa really would have been a perfect situation for him. The guy wouldn't have the pressure of being a French-Canadian playing in Quebec. He would be close enough to uh, Victoriaville, which is under four hours. I looked up on Google where his family could drive to Ottawa to see him play. But clearly he chose the beautiful weather of Los Angeles instead of the snowy winters of Ottawa. And Can you blame him? I don't blame him, man. And I don't blame him. And I just think for myself is I was a little bit surprised they gave him six years. A little bit surprised. And I wasn't too – I was very on the fence whether I thought this was more of a very rich contract for Deneau just because you look at him. He's a good centerman. He can kill penalties. But that's a pretty big contract for a guy who realistically yeah, in a few no years kidding. when you see Quentin Byfield come up, is he going to be a 2C in L.A. at that point? Maybe, yeah. Well, the other thing with uh, Philip Deneau is uh, he is a few years older than Col- Sorry, he's 28. I can see Colin White developing into a Philip Deneau. Because remember, Colin White's only 23. Yeah. So I don't see the signing for Ottawa, especially because Ottawa is looking for a 2C or a 1C. Well, they have... Except they shouldn't be looking for a 1C because they already have him. His name's Josh Norris. Yeah. Oh, did you see the comment that Thomas Shabbat made about him? Uh, no. Uh, he was doing an interview. I can't. I don't know if it was like a radio interview or a TV interview. And he said that Josh Norris came into camp last season with the, excuse me, with the high, high, very high shot and goal to be their 1C. And he says he did everything that the team asked him last year to be their 1C. And he earned that. And the underlining, and I'm sure you can vouch for this, the underlining numbers were good. People on Twitter were, were really they, good. They're not just good, they're elite. Everything about that guy was so good last season. And I think, I totally agree. I just, I don't see why the Sens feel like they need a 1C when they have him. I don't even think they need a 2C. 
because uh, Colin White or Shane Pinto can fill into that role. It's totally Pen. It's totally Pinto because when Pinto played with uh, Stutzla and Brown last season, he was fantastic. So our top six is locked in. Yeah, like, and it's it's good. Like, it's a good top six. Like, once it finally finishes its growing, it'll be a good top six. I I I'm gonna lay my cards on the table here. I am complete and. I'm going to reiterate this when we get to our free agent signings for Ottawa. I am worried that Pierre Maguire is going to fuck this team up. Okay. In what way? He's going to trade out play. He's going to make and trade out players that are good, that he sees as too small, because he still, he clearly still believes in old school hockey without realizing that the NHL, the fitness level and the skill level of the NHL has completely changed in the last 20 years. Yeah, but here's and this is my argument, Tim, and I'm obviously the eye test kind of the person out of the two of us. I kind of see where he goes with that because, again, you see teams like St. Louis a few years ago. You see teams like that who won Stanley Cups who are bigger. But I think that when you're only, when you're putting all your eggs in that basket of the eye test and not the analytics side of it, you're going to have problems. You're going to run into oh, issues. Yeah. And while... Like I, and I'm not, I'm not entirely against analytics. And while I personally myself don't read too much into it, I do understand the reasoning behind it. I think it's a great tool. I don't think it's everything that the NHL needs because I do think you kind of need that eye test at times. But go back to what I was saying about the Dano Dano signing. Is no, this is a decent, good signing for LA. I think it's a bit rich. Yeah, I agree with that. I do agree it's a bit rich, but you know what? If it pans over L.A., good for them. Mm-hmm. Well, Tim, now that you and I are tied at two, the tiebreaker is coming right now. The fifth and final player on the board, Tyson Berry. My prediction on the contract, $52.5 million dollars over seven years with an AAV of 7.5 to the Edmonton Oilers. What was your prediction on the contract? Four million by four years. Again, we're both out. Wow. I was under on cap hit, but I was over on term. So Tyson Berry, as Tim just mentioned, we were both over. $13.5 $13.5 million over three years to the Edmonton Oilers. Can we laugh at Edmonton's defense for a minute? Let us look at the wonderful big names of the Edmonton Oilers defense. We have Darnell Nurse, Tyson Berry, Duncan Keith, Cody CC, Chris Russell. Evan Bouchard and William Lagason. And Warren Fogle. Warren Fogle's a forward. Oh, is he? Oh, I thought yeah. he was a defenseman. Okay. That was actually, like, trading out Ethan Bear for Warren Fogle was not a bad value trade. I'll actually defend the Oilers on that one. Although I'm a little sad they traded out Ethan Bear because of one botched play. Granted, it was an important botched play. But Edmonton's defense was much better with Ethan Bear than it was without him. I totally agree. And Ethan Bear was a guy who I saw him as a really good defenseman in Edmonton, and I, I hope he does well in Carolina. I, I really do because you know he's, he's going to go to a market where the team is very defensive minded and all that stuff. So let, let's talk about Tyson Berry with the Oilers because there were actually rumblings of him leaving and. When I started writing this up, the tweet Bob McKenzie put out that he did report that the Oilers were working on a deal prior to the free agency. So I, I'm i a little bit surprised at the cap hit he got because usually with a top-pairing right-handed defenseman, especially with, like, he's not Dougie Hamilton. I will not sit here and say, oh, yeah, he's worth 7 or $8 million bucks. I thought he was going to get at least $7 million. Yeah. I thought for sure $7 million bucks. To get Tyson Berry at four and a half for three years is pretty good, to be perfectly well, honest. He is he is he, on Dougie Hamilton. He is one dimensional. 
I will say that Tyson Berry is not a defensive defenseman. He's an offensive defenseman who goes to Edmonton last season, rebounds after a down year with the Leafs, puts up 48 points in 56 games, and he capitalized with the deal. So good on Tyson Berry. The thing is, I, I think the value that Tyson Berry brings between his year in Toronto and the fact that people probably see his numbers at Edmonton and realize he spent a lot of time with Connor McDavid, they're thinking, okay, Tyson Berry is a second-line defenseman, not a first-line defenseman, and that's why he's getting he the Edmonton Oilers were able to get him at four million. The other thing is. Early on, there was rumblings that uh, Tyson Berry wouldn't stay in Edmonton because the thought process was they wanted to keep one of Berry or Larson, and Larson was seen as the better player. And then, obviously, Larson gets taken. So there goes that one. The one thing is, is even though Tyson Berry is a one-dimensional player, he does bring a shitload of offense. He does, and that's an... That's kind of the nice thing about Edmonton is that Edmonton, they are kind of built that way, obviously around David, Carmick David and Leon Dreisaitl. But, again, like I said, he's a very, he is a one-dimensional player. And, uh, I don't know. I, I like the signing for Edmonton. Obviously, it's not a long-term. And I'm amazed that Ken Holland just didn't say, okay, puts a piece of paper in front of him and be like, okay, tell us what you want honestly fair, but the one thing is, is that Tyson Berry has definitely trailed off since his days in uh, Colorado as far as offensive go- offense goes. It's true. So it's the Oilers definitely protected them- themselves because this this contract isn't untradeable. No. So I actually think this is a pretty good signing for Ken Holland. The other defensive signing on the other hand, Cody CC. Oh, good lord. For 3.25. You know what? I gotta talk about my buddy for a second here, because his dad is an Oilers fan. When these signings were going down, my buddy phoned me, and he says, Dude, I just talked to my dad. The first words out of his mouth was, If Ken Holland makes another stupid fucking trade, I will get on the first flight to Edmonton and castrate him. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah. He was so pissed. He's just like, dude, I legit thought I was climbing in my truck and just start crying. He's like, first you get Duncan Keith, who's not a good defenseman, and now you're throwing fucking money at these guys? This is the contract that people were afraid Otto was going to give to Cody Cece. Admittedly, he had a better year in Pittsburgh. It still wasn't a great year in Pittsburgh. It was a better year in Pittsburgh. This is a bad signing. Holy crap. Quite frankly, the urinating trees statement about Cody CC in Pittsburgh totally, totally stood on its own. Where he says the fact that Cody CC wasn't complete dog shit in Pittsburgh proves that hell, hell had frozen over. Pretty much. Because, like, Pittsburgh's offense somehow was more productive with Cody CC on the ice than off. That's scary. Granted, Cody Cece was only playing, like, second, third line minutes. Yeah. So it's definitely a weird sample, but... Yeah, he actually had an okay year. It's not like in Toronto and Ottawa where he was sandbagging the team the whole time. That's true, man. So, Tim... I have to say, that's really disappointing that we ended at a 2-2 tie because... I was really hoped that one of us was going to get bragging rights for the whole year about this. We've never had someone definitively get bragging rights for the full year. I know. Remember last year when uh, we were supposed to definitively get bragging rights, but then we we were tied, and then Jake Gardner didn't sign until like the last possible minute. I know, and then we never followed up on it. Yeah. In true third lane plug fashion. Of course. And then... Uh, the first year we did it, we went over an all but one. Yep. Remember, remember the year that Tavares signed, and you went max deal. I thought he was going to get max deal. 
I really got damn close. It's true. I really hope there's a listener out there that does a super deep dive into our catalog and finds those episodes and just starts laughing at them because we were so wrong. To be fair, he did sign a mil- eleven million dollars. That is true. That is true. So, Tim, do you have any more comments you want to make on the free agency signings before we head off and talk about the Ottawa Senators free agent? I don't think I have any more for this game. Uh, yeah, I think we probably just want to talk about uh, the free agents that Ottawa signed and then maybe some of the trades to round her out. Perfect. Now, before we do that, Tim, we're going to take a really quick break, and we will come back and talk about the Ottawa Senators 2021 free agent signings and a trade. Coming right back. Hey everybody, this is Jackson Schwann from New Era Sense, and you're listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. Okay, we are back. Now, Tim, after talking about the top five names on the 2021 NHL free agency board, where we tied at two, the only way that we can push forward in this episode is to talk about what the Ottawa Senators have done over the last couple of days in free agency but before we do that tim we have a trade to announce as well because the ottawa senators and the vegas golden knights made a trade and here's the trade going to the ottawa senators defenseman nick holden and a 2022 third round pick going to the vegas golden knights is evgeny dadanoff so i am actually a little bit surprised they dealt that enough. And I think for me is because, and we've talked to us on the show that Pierre Dorian really doesn't like to admit his mistakes. He doesn't like to correct his mistakes. And we saw it with Matthew Shane. We saw it with some of the other signings, but dad enough. I think I was more surprised about this because he had one bad year and the fans were thinking, okay, well maybe he'll get a second chance next year to prove himself wrong. Clearly the team felt differently. And Dadunov did apologize to Pierre Doran before he got traded for his bad play last season. So I'm interested to get your thoughts on what you think of the trade between the two teams. They got very fair value here. They got a cap dump, they got a draft pick, and Nick Holden can still play. The only thing that worries me here is that we're starting to crowd out the left D, and I was really happy with Ottawa's left D before like before uh, the trade situation with Shabbat, Brandstrom, and Victor Mete, although uh, Brandstrom is a natural right D, Victor Mete can play both sides. So hopefully, we don't, like uh, Eric Brandstrom actually gets to play in, and he should get to play in Ottawa next year. And Nick Holden, great veteran presence. Hopefully he doesn't push anyone out. Can still play at age 34. Yeah, and I was a little bit surprised by the trade itself. I was assuming that Ottawa was going to keep Dadanoff around. Maybe he can have a bounce-back season next year. But I, for his cap hit, I'm not surprised Ottawa didn't want to keep him around. Because we, we talked about a few minutes ago how the Ottawa Senators' top six is already solidified. So really, Dadanoff would be a third-line winger at that at best on this team. And obviously with that cap hit, that wasn't going to be much of a reality. I'm fine with the trade personally and the senators obviously have a lot of cap space to, to work with. Do they go after a big name player? Do they make some moves? We don't know, but obviously in the trade market, I mean, there's always been talked about Sean Monahan, Ryan Strom we're hearing about, but the big name, and I'm really kind of surprised. I'm not surprised, but I know this is a total pipe dream. It will never, ever happen. Is Jack Eichel? Is Jack Eichel to Ottawa? And I just don't see it because honestly, Ottawa has the picks. Ottawa has the people to make it work. It's a matter of do we really want to make this happen? Because that's going to be a big, big return going to Buffalo for yeah. one player. And on top of that, it's you're taking on a guy who's he's got back problems. It's uh, neck issues. Neck issues, yeah. So it's like, you have to wonder how much is that going to affect him going forward because when Eichel is healthy, he's a game-breaker. We saw it firsthand. Yeah, the question is, will he ever be healthy? 
Well, and I was reading a little bit about this the other day because Jack Eichel's agents came out and they were saying how the team... I, I don't remember the entire thing. I think it was like the team didn't want him to get surgery, but he does. So there's kind of a bit of a tug of war between the two sides. And really, it just sounds like Buffalo's just deliberately trying to fuck with Eichel at this point. Yeah, it's tough. I don't know, man. I don't know. And you know what? If it wasn't for the fact that I know, I know Ottawa will have to give up a lot to make this happen. I would like to see Jack Eichel come to Ottawa. Could you see him playing with Drake Batherson, play with Tim Stutzla, play with some of the young guys that we have on this team? Given And you know what? I'm going to go on record right now. He's going to have a way better team in Ottawa than he ever did in Buffalo. That's not hard. I know it's not hard, but still, look at our roster right now. We're not amazing right now. But I think... For, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I get the neck issues as is a big deal. But you know what, though? If he gets it happen, and he's healthy and wants to come back, because he's signed for, I think, another five years or something. Yeah. But it's going to be a matter if... Like, say they make it happen, will Eugene Melnick be willing to pony up $10 million per year for him? Well, uh, if he wants his period of unrivaled success, he's going to have to pony up that money somewhere. It's true, man. I mean, obviously, we still haven't gotten that brief to truck extension, but that's another episode right there for us. Yeah, and we also still need Drake Batherson's new contract. Victor Mete needs a new contract. Yeah, I think Victor Mete just got tendered for RFA. His contract. Well, he filed for arbitration. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was Brady and Drake. Yeah, yeah, Brady and Drake got tendered. He got arbitration. So let's talk about some signings. And the Ottawa Senators were really quiet on the free agency market, especially with some of the names on the board. If Ottawa wanted to make a splash, Dougie Hamilton had been rumored to come to Ottawa. And obviously it didn't happen, him going to Jersey. But the Senators did get a defenseman out of this. So we're going to start off with the Ottawa Senators have signed Michael Delzato to a two-year contract. And I believe it's for two point... I think it's a full... It's four years at $2 million, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, we're looking at two years for $2 million. It's dog shit, and I hate it. This Del Zotto did... fucking sucks, and he gets dunked on by porn stars on Twitter. Why the fuck is he on our team? I don't know, and I know that Mark Mathot tried to defend the signing, saying he didn't have a totally bad year in Columbus, but this, to me, just seems like another Erica Branson signing. Oh, it's totally an Eric Branson sign. The guy's a fucking plug. And at 31, he's going to continue to be a fucking plug. And he's going to continue to get dumped on by porn stars on Twitter. I still love that, that Mia Khalifa put him on blast. Yeah, fucker deserved it. I know. And you know what? It's not like the guy... Obviously, the guy hasn't batted a thousand with adult porn stars because he did hook up with Lisa Ann. I mean, wow. But then again, Lisa Ann has been known to hook up with a lot of athletes, so. I mean, it's like, this is not the, unless he's like, somehow completely different on, in the locker room, the guy, the guy doesn't sound like a good player. He's, he, well, he's not a good player. Publicly, he seems like an asshole. Of course, second chances and all that, but he's played on how many teams in how many years and he hasn't been good in any of them he yeah. survived just over a year in vancouver that says a lot and i know when i was reading about michael delzato signing a lot of people are saying a lot of the comments has to do about oh so this means that victor mete is not coming back next year because it seems like he might be pushing mete out but you know what that doesn't mean that mete is getting pushed out Mete's a clearly a better player than Michael Delzato in in camp. Watches like Mete beats him out in training camp, and Delzato goes to Belleville. I, I would love that. Yeah, because honestly, I don't see Delzato being a seventh defenseman. Because well, my problem is Josh DJ, Brown would be a seventh defenseman on this team. Yeah, well, my problem is, is like, what the hell? Is he just going to be shoved on the roster because they paid him money and he's older? Because like, yeah, Branstrom and Mete can sit, skate circles around the guy. And then the problem is, you could put both of them on the right, 
but then you have uh, Zub, Saitsev, and Brown. So like the the right sides and uh, JBD. So the right sounds kind of, right sides kind of full too. This Delzato signing fucking sucks. Like straight up, it's shit. Fuck it. You know what's funny, Sam? We said this exact same thing last year. Just replace Delzato with Cabranson. Yeah. No, and we weren't wrong. Yeah, it took us two games to realize that. I remember, remember, go back and listen to season four. What was the comments I always made? He made me look good on skates. And I can't skate with a shit. Exactly. And like, yeah, no. And Delzato's been bouncing around shit teams over the last two years. Like, holy crap. It's true. Now, the, Michael Delzato wasn't the only big name signing they made in the offseason because the Ottawa Senators have also announced they gave a two-year contract extension to head coach DJ Smith. I obviously didn't find what his AAV is, but, you know, I'm okay with it. Man, DJ just seems like that kind of guy that I know a lot of people think that he's not going to be the coach when this team gets really good, but... The players have really bought into what he's selling them. Mm. And he's fair. He is very fair when it comes to giving teams ice and giving the players ice. I mean, we saw it in his first year where he wouldn't play Bobby Ryan. He wouldn't play Michael Bodker. He wouldn't play these guys. My only problem, obviously, going last year was his dealings with Eric Brandstrom. But he is willing to change. He is willing to say, okay, this is not working. We need to change it up. And we saw that in the second half last year. I'm hoping that Michael Delzato doesn't get more than 10 games. And I think the thing this year is we will also have training camp, so I can see DJ Smith sorting through some of these shitty bets. Like, a guy like Delzato being brought in. And I hope that, like, Branstrom and Mete get to play. And here's the one thing with uh, the Nick Holden signing is, I actually wouldn't mind Branstrom getting some right side time. Like, imagine if you just lined up Branstrom and Shabon. Just get Shabbat to slingshot Branstrom down ice. Yeah, that would be fucking terrifying. It would be watch. It'd be like watching the Carlson to Hoffman play every night. Well, the thing about Branstrom too is, when we watched him last year, we could actually see that he was fairly competent on, like he was getting more competent on defense. Yeah, without Shabbat being around. Yeah, like those last ten games were very good, very very good, and Ottawa looked way better with Branstrom on the ice. And I actually like the penalty, the power play better with uh, Branstrom leading it than Shabbat. It's true. I think it's because Eric Branstrom is obviously a more dynamic... Like, I, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say that Branstrom's a better player than Shabbat. I think by talent-wise, you can see Thomas Shabbat is the better player of the two. I just think when it comes to overall being as dynamic... It's got to be Branstrom. Branstrom's just—he's he, like—it's like watching a left-handed Carlson out there. Yeah, especially the way he walks the blue line. It's true, and this is honestly going to be the closest we would ever see to Thomas Shabbat with prime Eric Carlson. I think it's just give Branstrom more time, and uh, yeah, let him play his natural side. Yeah, and I think we'll see something special. But we need to see him get more of a leash next year because he got nothing. He would make a bad pass and he's now stable to the bench. That's true, that's true. Yeah. That's like the only thing I don't like. One of the things I don't like about DJ Smith is just that lack of trust. Yeah, but I think that the last how many games at the end of the season when Shabbat was out, I think his trust really was put into Barrett Brashram, so hopefully that will carry on to next season. I hope so too. Yeah. And the nice thing is, is like, with Eric Holden, you have a guy who they did bring in, like, someone who is a bit of a rock defensively. And, like, he he played on pretty, like, we played against Eric Holden during the 2016-27 series against New York. Uh, and he played on some of those good, like, on those Vegas teams that were pretty good. So... Although he didn't play much last year. So if Nick Holden's on his, actually on his last legs, then and he doesn't play much of the season, either in, an injury forces him to retire or he just doesn't have it in the tank anymore. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe we will just like uh, 
20 games into the season, who knows, maybe we just end up with the same defensive lineup we had when we started the season, and Del Zotto is on waivers, and Nick Holden's going to Robita Island. Could be. Could be, because I think Holden's in his final year, isn't it? So I don't think that would make any sense. Exactly. Yeah, he's got one year, he's 34. The question is, is what does Holden have left in the tank? I would like Holden to, like, I'd actually have to watch him more, but from what I've heard from people, he's a very smart defenseman. And uh, having, like, a, a smart veteran defenseman that's gone deep in the playoffs, remember that Holden went was with the Vegas team that went to round four, sorry, the third round in the bubble with Vegas. He won a series with New York in 2016-2017 then lost to the Senators. It's... The guy's got good experience. And that's the type of player I think Ottawa should... Like, this young senator should be around. Not Michael Delzato. It's the Ron Hainsey signing again. What the fuck? Looks like he can still play. Fair enough. So the Ottawa Senators also made some AHL signings. And we're going to start off with... The Ottawa Senators have signed Andrew Angazzanio to a one-year two-way contract... So he'll be playing with the Belleville Senators next season. Now, that's going to be weird for him because for Agazzanino, I think I might be wrong on how I pronounce that. So he's going from being a San Diego goal to a Belleville Senator. Yeah, the weather's it's going to be a big weather change. I know, man. You know, he's going to go from the beaches to Belleville. And it's like a city that does have a lot of stuff to do, like there is a lot of shit to do in San Diego to Belleville. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'll tell you a quick story. So, my sister and her boyfriend are going to go, I think they're going to go to Europe in a, in a couple of months here. But with what's going on over there with COVID, so they're might thinking they might just go into the, do like an L.A. trip. And I was telling them, I was like, well, you know, if you go to L.A., go here, here, here. But I suggested, why don't you go to San Diego? More importantly, because my sister's boyfriend's into sports, I said, why don't you go to a San Diego Gulls hockey game? (laughs) Tickets are cheap. The team's pretty decent. But more importantly, Tim, I just wanted to get some merch for your favorite AHL team. Oh, you're so kind. It's true, man. It's so true. And honestly, I just wanted a a Gull snapback. That's all I kind of want. Okay. Like something that's funny. Exactly. I actually do. I know. I know that we have our comments about it, but I actually do like the San Diego Gulls jerseys, though. I'm not a fan. I like their color schemes. Yeah. Not to be done though, the Ottawa Senators have also signed former Toronto Maple Leaf Pontius Agberg to a one-year, two-way contract, so he will also be with the Belleville Senators. And rounding out the signings here, the Sens have also agreed to terms to Cole Sherwood, formerly of the Columbus Blue Jackets, and. Defenseman Dylan Heatherington from the Dallas Stars. So these are all AHL signings. I have zero idea who any of these people are, except for Pontius Agberg. So, yeah, there you go. Well, Pontius Agberg probably fills in a call-up slot when uh, J.C. Bodane and uh, Michael Haley weren't brought back. But uh, looking at some... Belleville is got a surprising surprising amount of players around uh, but they only have five defensemen signed so that's why I'm worried about Belleville, sorry about uh, Brancher being shoved down to Belleville and that would be a that would honestly be a map, that would be a sin yeah hopefully our boy Delzato looks so gassed that he finally gets demoted to the AHL well, I mean, he's obviously not going to hook up with a porn star in Belleville. Yeah, that might be good for him. Uh, but looking at the forward core that the Belleville has currently 12 signed with Logan Brown, RFA, Vitaly Abramov in Russia, it's filled with a lot of Sens draft capital. You've got Roby Arvante, Ridley Gray, Kripos, Angus Cruikshank, Victor Lodang, Igor Solokov, Paul Reinhardt, Parker Kelly... A lot of guys that we recently drafted, and that's actually pretty darn good. 
Yeah, and we always see, and obviously we talk so much about how DJ Smith is very, not DJ Smith, Pierre Dorian is well known for being an amateur scout. Yeah. That's where his talent lies. That's where the Ottawa Senators have really found a number of players, a number of great, great pickups in the draft. So I think it'd be great. Yeah, so like I'm actually very happy with the forward core that will probably go to get go out in Belleville. What'll be interesting to see is if depending on the contract that Logan Brown signs, do we see him up in Ottawa to start the year and Chris Tierney's riding pine? Maybe. Because you could tell by the end of the season, uh DJ Smith was not picking up what Chris Tierney was laying down. And that's a player that I definitely uh, would not be surprised to see traded out of town. Well, they've tried. They've tried. They have tried, man. So, right, is there any trades you want to talk about? Uh, any trades? You know what? Let's let's have a quick... I'm going to just quickly look up here. Maybe I'll come up with a trade or something I want to talk about. Oh, I've about. got one. Go for it. So Ryan Reeves to the New York Hype. New York Rangers trade. And, you know, it's very fitting. We were talking about the Ottawa Senators draft. Obvi- it's very obvious that they were going to take Tyler Boucher at 16. Yeah. This is... This is now... Really makes... The Senators pick of Tyler Boucher make sense. Because if the Senators trade down, I wouldn't be surprised if the New York Rangers then try to trade him up. So all of a sudden, yeah, taking Tyler Boucher at 10 makes sense. Vegas getting a third for Ryan Reeves is fantastic return, honestly. Can you, like, just remember the fact that Ryan Reeves got a first out of a, a few years back. Isn't that incredible? It is incredible. It is incredible. Now, excuse me, there is a couple of stories here I do want to talk a little bit about. I want to start off by talking about the Columbus Blue Jackets re-signing defenseman Zach Berwinski to a six-year, $57.5 million contract with an AAV 9.583. You know, I was making fun of the Seth Jones signing. I take that back. <sighs> this is fucking worse. Jesus Christ. I saw that and I'm just like, you have got to be kidding. He's a good defenseman, but good lord. I like Zach Wierenski. He's he is a good defenseman. He's young. He may develop into more, but he is not nine million. Oh God, no! God, no! No, he is not. This is definitely a very questionable signing. It is a questionable signing, but I'll tell you what's not a questionable signing, Tim. The Buffalo Sabers signing forty-year-old Craig Anderson to a one-year seven hundred fifty thousand dollar contract. Now with Linus Allmark going to the Boston Bruins for, I believe it's five year, five million bucks per. Pretty obvious. Craig Anderson is going to go the way of Patrick Willeem, where his best years were in Ottawa, and he finishes his off in Buffalo. What's kind of incredible is in the short spurts, like the few games that Craig Anderson got to play in Washington, he was very good. Washington was not exactly a defensive juggernaut last year. No, nor were they a juggernaut in any any kind of way. No, so like I think Craig Anderson could play a, he could play a backup role in Buffalo for a year and then maybe go out for a, right out for the sunset. Actually, one interesting thing to mention about the Baranski trade is I've seen it described as a team is terrified that all their players are walking out the door, so they they wanted to show that they can pony up the big money, and I think that's why the Waranski contract is what it is. And you know when I when I think about this, and I've mentioned this in the past, how when John Davidson, Yarmulkekalainen, but also when Bill Zito was here, because Zito used to be a former player agent, and that's how they were able to get all these guys under team-friendly contracts. So I, I wonder if that's a big factor for Columbus, that he went off and becomes a GM in Florida. He's not around to get the players under that kind of hit. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. So I guess we can close out this episode by talking about the big story that actually broke out yesterday about San Jose Sharks forward Evander Kane. 
holy shit. Now, I know in the last couple of years that we've talked about Vander Kane's off-the-ice problems and some of the stuff that was going on with him. This one was a big bombshell that went off. So basically what had happened is Evander Kane's wife, or sorry, his ex-wife now, made some claims on her Instagram page through her Instagram stories where she accused Evander Kane of leaving her, their one-year-old daughter, and their unborn kid without a place to stay and making her pack up the house by herself, again while pregnant and taking care of their daughter alone, among other things. So I brought it up here, and one of the big things that came out of this was that she alleged Evander Kane had bet on and was throwing games in the NHL. And the NHL made a statement saying that they were made aware this evening of the post. The integrity of the game is paramount. The league's going to take the allegation very seriously. The Sharks have done the same thing. Evander Kane even made a statement about it, and he's denied all allegations leveled against him and has made several counter-allegations towards her. Here's the thing with Evander Kane, though. I think he's kind of burned through the benefit of the doubt. Like, he's already stiffed at Casino. Like, he's stiffed at Casino. He might get his NHL contract. Like, the San Jose had to maneuver around his contract to avoid him getting his contract garnished while during other court proceedings. It's going to be hard to really give him the benefit of the doubt, but... Uh, we're gonna have to wait to see what exactly the league determines. Because the other thing is, is, like part of this is the Sharks have not been very good the last few years. But if you have one of your best players throwing games, that's going to toot the team no matter what happens. And what's really interesting is, Evander Kane dropped off a cliff in 2019 through 2021. Just looking at the underlying numbers, I could believe that Evander Kane was throwing games. It's true, and it's really sad, right? Because Evander Kane's career has always been marred with problems off the ice. And it's for a guy who's so talented, it's just a shame that his off-ice problems really have been the focus of everybody's attention. I do like the fact that he has all this talent, and I don't want to believe that he's throwing games, right? It's true. I think for me, if the allegations turn out to be true, this is going to be a serious black eye for the NHL and one where you're going to probably get a Vander Kane banned from the NHL. Well, his, yeah, yeah. his career will be the fucking NHL. over and he'll never come back. Yeah. Well, I'm actually, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure how big of a, well, yeah, it'd be a pretty big black eye for the NHL. Yeah, to but... have a guy a very talented player throwing games. Yeah, yeah. I would say it's a big black eye. Because, like, what's interesting is, like, his on-ice production was down about 10 points, but then again, these seasons weren't fully played. So, like, he was on pace for his regular point amounts in San Jose. Mm-hmm. But the underlying numbers just kind of tanked. And it's just, like, his shooting percentage was up a bit. Not by much, but up enough that that might have been what was kind of covered over. So it's like, it's kind of tough to tell just from looking at, looking over the stats to see if Evander Kane's throwing games. I don't know. I mean, obviously we're going to have to keep an eye on this and we will follow up on it in a future episode. Yeah. I hope, I hope to hell he's not. So, Tim, do you have any more stories or comments you want to make before we close off this episode for another evening? Not that I can think of. Uh, is there any other funny traits that are out there? Uh, I think we've talked about all of the fun ones. Zadorov to the Flames is interesting. It is. And obviously there's Taylor Hall signing his extension with the Bruins. Lance Omark signing with the Bruins. There's obviously some really good ones in Boston. But... Yeah, I don't know. I think we've kind of commented all about them already. Yeah, I think uh, we're probably set until we uh, start up next season. Exactly. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. We're on the National Podcast Network. You find our page on nationalpodcast.network. You can find our links to iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. 
We're also on Twitter. At Third Lake Plugs, our Twitter handle. Tim is at M901 Honeybadger. I'm at Great White Gipster. GR8 WATE Gipster. If you want to choose an email to talk about how we once again have no bragging rights for the upcoming season through our free agency episode, shoot us an email. Third at gmail.com. Until next time, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this is Ben Tim Jensen. Go, Sam's guys.